Brandon Zikano with God's t- Time here on Faith FM and my computer has just, oh, it's coming back to life here. Hopefully we'll have our Bible study for this week. Let's go to Luke chapter 3 and verse 21. Luke 3 and verse 21. We probably won't get the answer to all of those questions today, but we will have those answers by the end of the week. So Luke chapter 3 and verse 21. Jasmine, what have you got for us? Luke chapter 3, verse 21 says, Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened. And 22, And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. Okay, so let's have a look at this verse here for a moment. Let's work our way through it. And we've got to ask ourselves, you know, what do these passages tell us about the relationship between Jesus' prayer life and his effectiveness in ministry? Mm-hmm. Okay, so here in verse 21, um, what are we, what, it's, a really, it's a very short sort of like snippet of a verse. Mm. What's taking place here? So this is during the time when uh, John the Baptist was in full swing of his ministry and he was baptizing many people in the Jordan River, um, which is where you get the reference when all the people were baptized. So this is all of the people around the area coming to be baptized by John. Jesus joins in and he rocks up and is like, hey, I need to be baptized as well by you. Um, And of course, as the passage says, he's baptized as well, and while he was praying, the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus in a particular, very special way. Okay, so, all right, so let's let's, let's back up for a moment and ask ourselves the question. Well, let's let's think about baptism mm-hmm. because we need to we need to get this whole thing in context to figure out what is actually going on here. There's a really important lesson here for us to learn. Baptism is a symbol that we've moved from an old life to a new life. Mm-hmm. It's a symbol of death of the old person, burial of the old person, and resurrection of the new. So you find that in Romans chapter 6, uh, the first six verses, for, in, for instance. Um, in fact, let's, let's flick over there very quickly, because to understand this, we need to have a basic understand of, understanding of what baptism is all about. So yep. uh, Romans chapter 6, maybe you can read for us verse 2 and 3. Romans chapter 6, verse 2 and 3 says... Oh, can I read verse 1 as well? You can. It says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Okay, so baptism is a symbol of death. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's not all it's a symbol of. But it plainly says, you know, if you're baptized, you're you're, 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 uh, baptized into the death of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So it's a symbol of death. Next verse, what does that say? Um, It says, verse 4, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Okay, that's pretty cool because it doesn't just leave you dead. Mm. If baptism was just a symbol of death and of burial, then you would all die when you got baptized. Because where you would you would go under the water, but you can't come back up out of the water if there's no resurrection, right? So you've got to mm-hmm. stay under the water. So you'd stay under the water and it's like, yep, Christianity would have a very, very short lifespan. Yes. Well. <laughs> and Christianity would no longer exist today. All right. So we have this, uh, this symbol of death burial and resurrection and that's what we find in the model that Jesus has of baptism 
you will notice that in the Bible, the only form of baptism that is ever mentioned is immersion. The word baptizo is a Greek word. It simply means to immerse. Mm -hmm. It never means anything else. It never means sprinkling. It never means having a bucket poured over your head. None of that. It only ever means to immerse. It doesn't mean to get wet. Mm -hmm. It means to immerse. So wash when you wash your dishes in the sink, you baptizo them. Yeah. <laughs> when you walk in the rain, you don't get baptized. You just get wet. You just get wet. Mm. That's right. Well, as well, if it's a symbol of death, you're kind of you're kind of dead or alive. You know, you, you don't really hang in the balance there. So you just fully, it's a full symbol of burial, complete death, and then complete life. Human beings cannot live underwater. So baptism is a great symbol of death mm. because you actually go underwater, which for a human being, that is a death sentence unless you come back up again. Yeah, yeah. And then from the surface of the water, you can't be seen. You're buried. You're mm. underneath. Hadn't thought of that point. That's you, very true. Yep. So you're underneath the water. So you're now buried. So you have a symbol of death because you go into a place of death. Being underwater is a place of death for a human. Mm-hmm. Then you can't be seen from the surface, so you are buried. Uh, moreover, when you go under the water, you stop breathing. Yeah. That's kind of what happens when you die. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that, though. Yep. And you close your eyes, typically. Mm. Uh, and typically when people die, what do we do? We, if their eyes are still open, we close their eyes. And so you've got all of these symbols of death. You've got all these symbols of resurrection. But then when you come back up out of the water, what's the first thing that you do? You take a breath. Take a breath. And you open your eyes. And then you open your eyes. And that's new life right there. Mm. A great symbol of death, burial, and resurrection. So it's death to the old self. Mm -hmm. Death. Read for us verse 6. Verse 6 is cool. Verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Okay, so... Uh, baptism is a symbol of death to who we used to be, mm -hmm. the old person that is crucified with Jesus Christ. And if baptism is a symbol of, the, of death to the old person and then resurrection as a new person, why is Jesus getting baptized? Mm, who was the old person for Jesus that needed to die? Who was the, you know, the sinful person, the unconverted person in Jesus who needed to die? It's a very good question. It's also interesting. Sorry, I hope yep. this is along the same train of thought because as we're asking this question, Jesus Jesus didn't institute this uh, practice. It was John and Jesus came oh, um, and followed, yes. that, followed his lead on this. Absolutely. Okay, so Jesus is... There's not something new that he's come up with. This is something that John the Baptist has instituted. Mm, but Jesus sees it as a very, like an important enough part of his own ministry that he should take it on. So, uh -huh. yeah, why, why, why is Jesus getting baptized? Why is, God, why is he following that practice? Jesus is God. He's never sinned, ever. Mm. There has never been any kind of sin whatsoever at all that has existed in Jesus' life. There is no old self for Jesus that needs to die and be buried and resurrected. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, so there you have it, the million-dollar question. Mm -hmm. Why did Jesus get baptized? Mm. And do we find an answer for this in Scripture? 
Ah, I, I'm, I'm asking the question. I'm, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot oh, this morning. I see. <laughs> Jasmine's just sitting there waiting, like, yeah, Lars going to answer the question. Like, I'll put you on the spot this morning. Yeah, why did Jesus get baptized? He didn't mm. need to be baptized. Well, if Jesus, like, like um, I was just saying earlier, Jesus didn't institute this. He sees what John is doing. And he says, uh-huh. "This is a very important part of ministry. Yes. That I think it's worthwhile that people do this yes. thing because he knew that that Jesus was starting his own movement, his ministry, and he knew that he wanted people to follow his example. Yes. yes. So if we confess to be Christians, we should do what Jesus thinks is important yes. and follow him into the waters of baptism. Yes, I knew I'd put you on the spot. Turned up the pressure a little bit. Jasmine would come through for us, and that was just epic. You just, you, just, you just listed it off right there, all of the reasons right there. And what it comes down to is that Jesus was setting an example of what is important for us. Mm. And the reality is Jesus is our example, as you pointed out, in all things. Mm-hmm. And how can he be our example in all things if he's like, you know, it comes to John the Baptist and he's like, yeah, well, you know what? I'm God. I don't need to get baptized. Mm. But you all need to get baptized. Yeah. He's just he just separated himself from human beings by doing so, hasn't he? Yeah. He's created that hierarchy, so to speak. He hasn't become one of us. Yeah. He hasn't become our brother. The Bible describes Jesus as our brother in the Bible. He hasn't become our brother. He hasn't been made in all points like as we are yet without sin. Mm. He's done none of that if he sits back and says, like, I don't need to get baptized. I'm God. Why would I need to get baptized? That would be humiliating for me. People would think I was a sinner if I got baptized. I'm never getting... No, Jesus is like, no, I'm a human being. And I've come here to relate to all human beings. And I'm not going to separate myself from them in any way, shape or form. And if there is something that I think is important for human beings, I'm going to set an example. Yeah. It also would make it... On, just on a practical level, a little bit confusing for us if we're reading and trying to decode every time Jesus does something, was this because he was divine and we don't need to follow that? Or is that because um, he's setting an example? We would constantly be asking the question, but no, we know as Christians we follow his example in everything mm. because because he became like us in every way. Indeed. Okay, so let's go to our passage now because that was a very, very long introduction to <laughs> the, like the one little line here that I want to focus on. Yeah. Uh, verse 21, the Bible says, It came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended. Mm-hmm. So Jesus wasn't just being baptized. He was also doing what? He was praying while and he did so. And when he was praying, what happened? The Holy Spirit descends. In the form of a? Dove. We're going to talk about that dove a little while in our question of the day. That's coming mm-hmm. up. Um, it's a very cool question. But, um, okay, so he is, he's praying. Heaven is opened. The Holy Spirit comes down. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is, this, this, this whole procedure here is an example for us. Mm-hmm. Because Jesus is already filled with the Holy Spirit. We know that. Yeah. Um, he's been filled with the Holy Spirit from conception. He is God. You know, you can't be more filled with the Holy Spirit than being God. But what we've got a symbol of here is that Jesus is our example, so therefore he gets baptized, and therefore he prays, and the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove. And what does the Father say from heaven? He says, you are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Did he say that when you were baptized, Jasmine? 
Uh, well, I didn't hear an audible voice, but I, I hope he was pleased with that decision. <laughs> <laughs> I can guarantee he did say that. This mm-hmm. is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. Mm. There's, there's no question in my mind that God says that every time somebody is baptized. Oh, praise the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're listening today and uh, you really love God and you've never been baptized or you know, never been baptized by immersion the way the Bible teaches it, the way Jesus was baptized, then, yeah, maybe that's something worth thinking about. Give us a, get, get in contact with us. We can make that happen for you. We have yeah. contacts right across Australia, and uh, we can ensure that you have that experience as well of um, you know, being baptized and the Father saying, this is my beloved son, this is my beloved daughter, in whom I am well pleased. Mm. Okay, so Jesus has set us an example here. The, 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 the example that we're really focusing on today that we got sidetracked onto baptism, but the, exa- the real example is the example of prayer. Mm. So Jesus throughout his life, and we're going to look at a few more verses in just a moment, but throughout his ministry is spending time in prayer. Mm-hmm. Who's he praying to? He's God. Who does God pray to? God prays to God. <laughs> he prays to his Father. <laughs> he does, doesn't he? It's this passage is actually a very, very good example of that when you're talking through that process. Who do we pray to? Um, where is it going? Because we see all three parts of the Trinity represented right here and indeed. their roles, how they interplay very easily. Yes. Yes, indeed. And so um, they are, um, you have, you know, the Father speaks from heaven, the Holy Spirit descends as a dove and Jesus comes up from the water and they are all working together. At the same place, at the same time, we just had somebody is. We just had somebody who uh, called our number, and then we missed their call. So if you just tried to call, then okay, it's calling again. <laughs> Keep persisting. We will get there. We will answer your phone. Just uh, yeah. Anyway, all right. So where were we talking about? We were talking about Jesus and his prayer life with the Father. Mm. It kind of, you kind of think okay, Jesus is here is on earth, and Jesus is God, hundred percent God. Mm-hmm. So what's he doing? Talking to himself? No, he's talking to his father. Does he need to? You know, no. Jesus could actually do everything he wanted to himself through his own divine power. Mm. But that wouldn't be an, an example for you and I. No. We don't have divine power. Jesus can only ever be our example if he lays that divine power aside mm. voluntarily. And uses the same power that is available to us. Yeah. And has the same relationship with God that is available to us. It seems weird to us that God prays to God. But that's the only way that Jesus could show us how to live. And, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. Yeah. Jesus did that. Luke chapter 5 and verse 16. Luke 5 and verse 16. Jasmine, go for it. Luke 5 verse 16 says, So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. I spent some time in the wilderness over the last couple of days. (laughs) It was amazing. I didn't pray the whole time, but I definitely spent some time in prayer. Yeah. Um, We were camped by a river. There was a gorge. We went for a hike for about four or five hours down this gorge, up onto a mountaintop, back to the campsite. There's no tracks except for tracks that animals had made. There's no people who had probably been down there for like 20 years. 
You know, it was just amazing. Yeah. It was just great. And that time that you spent in prayer in the wilderness, did you find that of particular... It's different. Praying in the wilderness is definitely different to praying in your room. Mm-hmm. It's different to praying in church. It is... You know, on our way back, we stopped at a family's home for about half hour, had to stop in there and pick something up. And these people have actually created a prayer garden in their in their backyard. Oh, wow. That's yeah. cool. It is. It is. Because they wanted to follow this example of praying. They wanted to have a, a, a place where when you went there, it instantly um, gave you that atmosphere of connection with God. Mm. And it was a place where you could go and spend time in prayer and meditation. Wow. Yeah, so I think they've got like 15 acres there or something or other, beautiful block of land, and they've just sectioned off one section of it um, and they have um, set it aside as a place for prayer and reflection and made a special prayer garden. Wow, that's beautiful. It is, eh? One of the challenges that, uh, that um, you know, we have living in town and kind of hard to do that. I mean, if you made a prayer garden, it kind of like be maybe maybe that's what we all should do. Make it just make our backyard our prayer garden. Mm. Unfortunately, my backyard is never going to be a prayer garden. Why? Because it's full of tools and (laughs) vehicles, and um, there's a lot of activity that happens in my backyard. When I get back out into the country, because I'm living in town for the first time Mm -hmm, in my life, mm -hmm. when I get back out into the country, I will have room for a prayer garden. But you certainly, if you're living in a vertical filing cabinet, otherwise known as uh, an apartment block, you are um, not really going to have that opportunity. Maybe maybe make one on your balcony. Mm. Not going to be quite the same but a good thing to do. Spend some time in the wilderness in communication with God. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so Luke chapter... Ooh, where are we up to? Luke chapter 9 and verse 18. Luke 9 verse 18. What do we mm-hmm. find Jesus doing here? We, find, we found Jesus praying at his baptism. And then we found Jesus praying in the wilderness. What do we find in verse 18? In verse 18, Luke 9, 18, it says, And it happened that as he was alone praying, that his disciples joined him, and he asked, sorry, and he asked them, saying, Who do the crowds say that I am? All right. So what do we learn about Jesus praying here? It's very interesting that he's, well, it mentions that he's praying alone. He's praying alone. Mm-hmm. We often pray when we go to church and we often talk about going to church to pray praying on the sabbath day but where was jesus praying he was praying alone and in the last verse we find he was praying in the wilderness yeah it says he withdrew yeah excellent that's right he separated himself from people purposefully uh-huh it's intentional i think there's a really important lesson here an example for us that we often miss out on we pray when we go to small group. We pray when we go to church. We pray often when we're around other people. We pray at meal times. There are lots of different times that we pray in the presence of others. Mm-hmm. Jesus is giving us an example in these last two verses, not the first one. The first one, he's praying in a large group of people. Yeah. But these last two verses, he's giving, he's giving us the example of spending time alone with God in prayer. Mm. And so that's kind of special. Yeah. Um, that's something that we, I think, as a church, because we, you know, we place a level of importance on being able to 
to be a part of church mm-hmm. and we encourage people to be a part of church, maybe we place too much emphasis on corporate prayer rather than individual prayer. What do you think? What are your thoughts? I don't know. I don't I'm, I'm just sort of brainstorming this one. Yeah, I don't know that you can spend too much time in corporate prayer. I mean, perhaps you can if you're missing out on um, eating and drinking. But you know, <laughs> That's right, making a living. But corporate prayer is definitely important. It's it's just they're very, or in my experience, it's two very different kinds of prayer. You pray for different, and you actually pray for different things when you're praying in different scenarios. So if you're only spending time in corporate prayer, you're missing out on things that really need prayer, but the only time that it's it's appropriate to pray for those is in personal prayer when you're spending time alone. Mm. Yeah, I, I I think this is a really important point that um, that it brings out. And it also, you know, when you read through the Gospels and you find over and over again, these times that spent, God is, Jesus is spending time in prayer. It's illustrating that this was the powerhouse mm, mm-hmm. for Jesus' ministry. This is where, he, this was his source of strength. Because we have to remember that Jesus voluntarily chose not to use his own divine power. Yeah. And so he is living as a human being on earth. He is 100% God. He has not ceased to be God. But he has voluntarily chosen to only use what is available to you and I. Mm-hmm. And within that scenario, because you know it's, it's, it's only available to, um, you know, he's using what's available to you and I. He's an example for us. But it shows where our powerhouse for ministry lies, and that's with time with God in prayer. Yeah, it's actually very exciting when you um, when you think back to that last text that we just read um, about he withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. That comes as a um, it begins with so he withdrew into the wilderness and prayed, indicating something beforehand. And the context of that is that he's spending so much time healing people. He is physically letting power go out from himself to heal others. And if you're talking about that, the kind of relationship that Jesus is modeling with the Father is one that he wants us to follow so that we can also partake of that same power. We we can access that same power that Jesus was using to heal the multitudes and to preach the message with power. Absolutely. Let's go to uh, Luke chapter 22, verse 31 to 34. And uh, let's look at a slightly different aspect here. So Luke 22, 31 to 34. Mm -hmm. And our question is, what assurance did Jesus give Peter to prepare him for the temptations he would face in the future? Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) That's a big task. Sorry, it was Luke chapter 22, verses... 31 to 34. 31 to 34. The Bible says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon... Indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you knew me. Mm, Wow. How would you feel (laughs) if Jesus said that to you? That is... So heavy. <laughs> okay, so, so so place yourself in Peter's shoes for a moment, Jasmine. Mm-hmm. Jesus comes to you and says, um, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. In other words, he wants to just, you know, do a total number on you. Mm-hmm. But I've prayed for you. How does that make you feel? Jesus has prayed for you. That's God inc- God has prayed for you. Yeah, that's that's a very incredible feeling. And then and then you're like, Yes! 
Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. Mm-hmm. And he turns around and says, well, actually, Jasmine, you're going to um, deny me three times before the cock crows in the morning. Yeah, what a squash to the <laughs> to the pride. I like the way you put it there. A lot of squash. It's like instant bucket of cold water. Mm. Just when I was feeling good about myself. Mm. But it was a great warning to Peter and it's a great warning to us because I think often we find ourselves in the same shoes of Peter. And the difference between us and Peter is that we're not faced with the crisis that Peter was faced with. Mm. I mean, we still are faced with our own trials and Mm. crisis in life and it's crisis does not create character Mm. it reveals it wow that was profound i wasn't the first one to say it (laughs) um there was a lady by the name of ellen white who said that crisis does not create character it reveals character Mm. character is created long before the crisis comes yeah and I was interesting. I was reading some research um, about pilots, mm-hmm. and particularly military pilots and ejector seats, mm-hmm. and how you have this tiny window of opportunity to eject. It's sometimes a matter of no more than two seconds. Often a matter of one second in which you make that decision. Oh, wow! Um, and you go past that, you're done. And what they were pointing out is that those pilots that do eject and survive what happened made the decision to do so long before the crisis came. Huh. And those pilots that don't, they're the ones, the, the ones who hesitate, they hesitate that moment and it's all over. Mm-hmm. They didn't make that decision. And we need to build our characters now before the crisis hits. And we can build that character by having a strong connection with Jesus Christ, by spending that time with prayer to make that decision not to deny Jesus long before that crisis comes, to be faithful to him in all things. 